Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Der Show. The question of the day Will Donald Trump be the speaker or will he be silenced? Obviously, we heard today that Donald Trump has indicated if it helps the Republican Party, if it helps the country, he'll throw his hat in the ring and try to become Speaker of the House. That's counterintuitive because he's not a member of the House, but you needn't be a member of the House to be the Speaker of the House. Just like in some countries, you don't have to be a minister or the member of parliament to become the the prime minister. Um and there are some Republicans who say he would be the, the choice that could help bring Republicans together. Prediction, not going to happen. That's my prediction. So the second part of the equation, is he going to be silenced? Uh, the judge in the case, uh, Arthur Engeron, has imposed a modified uh, uh, gag order, which probably even that goes too far. He has forbidden Trump from talking about any members of his staff. You remember from yesterday that um, uh, Trump uh, circulated a picture and made some comments suggesting that his law clerk, uh, the judge's law clerk, was in a romantic relationship with um, Chuck Schumer. Uh, no proof of that. And it apparently isn't the case. Um, and, and President Trump shouldn't have suggested it. Um, to the extent that he did. But what if um, Trump were to come up with evidence that did show an improper connection between the law clerk and functionaries of the Democratic Party? Surely he would have a right to bring that to the attention of the media. Or what if he, again, there's no evidence of this, but saw somebody giving a bribe to a law clerk? Of course, you can't just tell a litigant that he has no right to talk about the staff. That sounds like it's very self-protective. And, and obviously, a litigant has the right to talk about the judge and to say the judge is biased. Now, let's ask the question, is, is the judge biased? The other day, the judge made a really, really stupid mistake in ruling on a motion to basically disqualify uh, the attorney general on the ground that the attorney general is trying to get Trump. We know, we know, we know, get Trump. Um, he, he said, um, the judge said, no, she's not uh, discriminating against him. Trump's, quote, just a bad guy. Would you want to be tried by somebody who described you as just a bad guy? Yeah, the judge has already made rulings against him. But the idea of the judge saying just a bad guy. Now, do you think that's going to influence what he decides, well, listen for yourself, because uh, my son Elon is going to try to play a, a, a YouTube recording <clears throat> of the judge making a speech about how he decides uh, cases. So, Elon, let's see if we can get this uh, showing. 
principles. Um, a lot, I get, a lot of what I do involves motions, these summary judgment motions I meant. And, and all right, am I following the law or am I making law? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm following law, I'm, I'm an impartial referee, but it's hard to factor out my own emotions. And I have tools. Somebody can say, well, Your Honor, you have to throw out this case because it's just like another case. Well, is it just like another case? What if the defendant was wearing a red sweater instead of a blue sweater? Well, that's an extreme example. That wouldn't distinguish most cases, but there are other facts that do. Maybe the education of somebody who supposedly entered into a... Well, you get, you get the point. You get the point. The judge acknowledges that he is going to be able to factor in his own emotions. Well, we know what his emotions are. His emotions are that Donald Trump's just a bad guy. Uh, he's wearing the wrong colored sweater. Um, no, of course, the judge wouldn't distinguish a case based on the color of the sweater. But would he distinguish cases based on the name of the defendant? Would he violate both the Bible and the law? by recognizing faces, by recognizing parties, by recognizing ideologies. Well, I have to tell you, if I were a lawyer or a litigant, I would say to myself, this case is a foregone conclusion. This judge has made up his mind and apparently made up his mind before seeing any of the evidence. Um, you know, maybe he heard some allegations, but um, he, there haven't been, uh, there hasn't been a trial where Experts have testified as to the value of the of the properties, and 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 uh, a fair evaluation was made as to what Mar-a-Lago might be worth, or what his uh, apartment in Trump Towers might be worth, or what Forty Wall Street um, might be worth. And and one of the questions I got asked today, um, I'll read it later, but the the crux of it is: How would you, as a lawyer, deal with a trial where you knew? you were going to lose. There's no doubt about it. The judges basically announced in advance, you're going to lose. And I've had such cases. I've had cases where, for example, the judge was a former United States attorney or assistant United States attorney. And he made it clear, I just never rule against the U.S. attorney's office. Uh, they're my gods. I think they're great. Uh, yeah, I know you claim that they cheated, but I'm not going to listen to you. Don't you dare even raise the argument in my court. I've had those cases. And as a lawyer, you have to decide how to handle those cases. Um, uh, some lawyers, uh, not me, um, uh, immediately say, grovel in front of the court. And, oh, may it please your honor, you know, I know you're objective and I know you'll be able to put all this behind you and I know that I can expect a, a fair verdict. That's not the way I do it. When, when I have a case where I know that the judge has already ruled against me, I, be, I double down. I become even more assertive. I sometimes even try to provoke the judge into making errors, into admitting his bias. Um, or I conduct the trial in a way just to maximize my chances of winning on appeal because I know I'm going to lose. And, and the more rulings I can get negative against me, uh, at trial, uh, the more likely it is to win on appeal. Like I have to tell <clears throat> all my clients in criminal cases, remember all my clients in criminal cases have been found guilty because if you're found not guilty, there's no appeal. So my clients have all been found guilty. 
And I tell, and they complain about the rulings that were made by the judge. And I say, no, you don't understand. Every bad ruling the judge made is good for us. And every good ruling is bad for us. So uh, please find me the worst rulings that you think the judge made. And we're going to use that as our appeal. Now, I suspect this judge <laughs> is going to make lots of appealable uh, rulings. Um, these are ready you know, attack the lawyers over and over again for making repetitive arguments or for repeating arguments that have lost or because this isn't a jury trial, you don't have to really get into the specifics of this or that or the other thing. Um, no, uh, if I'm if I'm the lawyer in this case, I have my eyes on the appellate uh, courts. And if I'm the client in this case, namely uh, Donald Trump, I have my eyes on the polls. Um, he's going to use this case, obviously, to try to create some political advantage. And I don't blame him. He has the right to do that. This is a political case. I mean, this is a case being brought by an attorney general who campaigned on the pledge of get Trump, get Trump. Again, <laughs> title of my book comes from her campaign, get Trump. So this is a political case right from the beginning. <clears throat> No real estate mogul uh, like Donald Trump, not named Donald Trump and not running for president, has ever been subjected to this kind of legal colonoscopy, uh, looking at every single one of their loans to see whether or not they may have exaggerated their loans. Uh, you know how it's going to come out? It's probably going to come out that Trump did uh, overstate the value of some of his properties. But in total, he may be right. He may be right when he says he's actually worth more than what was in the papers. Forbes has already taken him off the list of the whatever 100 richest people in America because he's fallen below the standard. He's now worth, I don't know, $2.6 billion rather than the 2.9 that's required to make it on the list. But, uh, you know, when your name is Donald Trump and you own iconic properties, there are going to be a lot of people around the world, whether they be Saudi princes or Russian oligarchs or just high-tech American billionaires who are going to want to buy the building that Trump's name is on, who are going to want very much to own property uh, that was associated with Trump. There were some people who will say, I won't go near it, but you don't value a building by the people who won't buy it. You value a building by the people who might buy it. So in the end, the result may very well be that in total, he probably didn't overestimate his net worth, but maybe 40 Wall Street, maybe the Trump Towers, maybe certainly not Mar-a-Lago, but maybe some of these other properties, maybe, maybe reasonable people could set a, a lower price than the price he set. That's not generally a crime, especially when the statute basically says you don't have to intend. You don't have to intend to defraud anybody. You don't have to defraud anybody. You wonder what the heck the crime is. If you don't have to intend to defraud, if the result doesn't ha happen, doesn't have to be fraud, what is this? What is the crime? The crime is <clears throat> mistakenly or even deliberately um, overvaluing your uh, property, but without an intent. I mean, his intent may very well have been just egotistical. I want people to think that 
40 Wall Street or Mar-a-Lago is the most expensive, most valuable property in the world. The loan didn't matter. I'm doing it for my own ego. So there would be no intent there, no intent to defraud anybody. You can't defraud the average member of the public and thinking you're richer than you are. That's just not a crime, even under Letitia James or Alvin Bragg's absurd notion of what's a crime. And, you know, that's a lot of the fallacy of all the cases against Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a narcissist. He's an egotist. He cares deeply about what people think about him, particularly how rich he is. He even once, do you remember during the campaign, bragged about the size of his, you know what, down there, I have no problem. <clears throat> After one of the people who allegedly had a sexual experience with him said, maybe wealth is not the only thing he exaggerated. That's pretty good, I thought. That's pretty good. That's pretty funny. I just thought about that. But, uh, but he was accused of uh, overstating overstating more than just his, his wealth. And he went and defended it. Now, is that fraud? Let's assume the allegation that the woman made was right. Would that be fraud if he said this and it's this? I don't think the law really, really gets to that. But, um, you know, if your name, name is Donald Trump, uh, the law gets to everything. And it, it uh, makes it clear that you have to make sure that nothing you ever do, anything you ever say is subject to um, an interpretation that is criminal, which is why he probably should not testify. He's not going to win this trial. So why put yourself in the way of a potential perjury prosecution? Because all they have to do is for perjury, you do need um, a specific uh, intent and you need knowledge. And the, the, the um, elements, the mental elements are, are much higher than they are under the New York fraud statute. But nonetheless, all the state has to do, all the uh, attorney general with her promise to get Trump has to do is say, well, you said this on this return, but you said this on that return. And so it's perjury. We're coming after you for perjury. That's five years in prison, and if you perjure yourself at a trial, a civil trial like the one in New York, the risks of being prosecuted are are fairly substantial. So uh, he should not take the stand. Um, and and the question is, how should his lawyer conduct the case? And I think the lawyer should not uh, uh, grovel. I think the lawyer should fight back. The lawyer should preserve every conceivable issue for appeal. And the lawyer should immediately move for the judge's recusal. I think a judge saying two things together. <clears throat> Number one, he's just a bad guy. We know he said that. It's in a written statement, a transcript of what he said in court yesterday. And then we have the YouTube video, which I've only shown you 30 seconds of. It's much longer and more detailed, and you can probably get it online. But there he says, I do allow my own... Um, <clears throat> subjective emotions to influence my decisions. Maybe not if it's a red sweater or a blue sweater, but surely if your name is Donald Trump and, and this judge obviously hates Donald Trump, voted against him, I'm sure. I wasn't in the voting booth, but it would shock me beyond belief if he didn't. Um, 
and lives in the world of uh, the New York elite liberal um, progressive society. Um, he should not be presiding over this case. And there should be an immediate motion made based on the combination of what he said on the YouTube thing about how he decides cases, coupled with his firm statement. Now, he's going to say, I didn't say he was uh, a bad guy. I said, essentially, that Letitia James said he was a, a bad guy. Well, that's not what the transcript reflects, number one. Number two, even if that's true, you don't repeat what the attorney general says and put it in your own mouth as he's just a bad guy. <clears throat> so I think the case for recusal is pretty strong. Now, the law generally is you can't recuse a judge for what the judge said in court. That isn't always the case. You can sometimes go after judges for what they said in court. I've done that myself. Um, but here it's a combination of what he said in court and what he said out of court. And, uh, you know, just no judge should ever do that. You know, maybe maybe Trump should thank him because isn't it better for the judge to say, I, this guy's just a bad guy, than to think it or to say it among his colleagues, but not to say it on the public record. So maybe a little bit of thank you is deserved for the judge putting on the public record what we all could see, that he believes Trump is a, a bad guy. And the issue, by the way, is not whether Trump's a bad guy or a good guy. That's for the voters to decide. The issue is whether he committed the elements of fraud, uh, and uh, in the civil case, and whether he committed crimes beyond a reasonable doubt in the criminal case. Uh, in fact, you're not allowed to admit evidence that he's a bad guy. That's inadmissible. Now, this is not a jury trial. If it were a jury trial, I think there'd be a mistrial immediately. If the judge had said in front of the jury, this guy's just a bad guy. Uh, no, that I don't think any judge would do that. Judges have acted as if that's the case. And, um, um, but this judge said it, um, said it in the context of Letitia James, but he said it. And, um, and, and remember too, that in a case like this, especially in every case, but in a case like this, especially justice must not only be done, it must be seen to be done. And is justice seen to be done when a judge takes the majority of issues away from the jury, if there were a jury, and that's a big issue, and we still haven't resolved that. There's a lot of disagreement about the jury issue. Trump today, again, went in front of the courthouse and said, I'm entitled to a jury, I should have a jury, I should have a jury, with his lawyer standing next to him. And I wanna know, was he denied a jury trial because his lawyers decided it would be better to have a judge trial rather than a trial in front of New York jurors who most obviously, most of them voted against him. Was Trump part of that decision? Was it only a lawyer's decision? Generally to waive a jury trial, you need to get the specific, particularly in a criminal case, the specific uh, agreement of the, of the defendant. Um, and um, in this case, we don't know whether Trump sought not to have a jury trial. As I've said before, it wouldn't have mattered for the 90% of the case that was already decided because the judge granted summary judgment. And by granting summary judgment, the judge said, 
even if this case were going to the jury, I wouldn't let it go to the jury on the issues that I've decided on summary judgment. And the other issues that were not decided on summary judgment, it's not completely clear to me whether the defendant is entitled to a jury under New York law on some, most, all, or none of those issues. That's just not clear um, from the case. If any of you want to write in and tell me it is clear, I'll listen to you because I'm just not sure about that. I'm not a New York civil lawyer, but my understanding is that once the summary judgment was granted, the remaining issues tended to be more equitable. Uh, what is the relief that sought? More issues that are not subject to trial by jury, but maybe I'm wrong about that. You can tell me that and I'll be happy to amend my views. Okay, so the question is, will he be the speaker or the silent person? Prediction, he won't be the speaker. Um, prediction, he won't be silent, but he'll probably abide by the order, the specific order that says, don't talk about my staff, even though there's questionable basis for that order constitutionally. All right, so a couple of people have commented on my basketball metaphors and, and on my son Elon's correcting me. Uh, Elon has spoken. That's my son. Thank you for helping your father give us wisdom. Still amuses me that Jersh used to play basketball with SCOTUS, Supreme Court justices, and the judges cheated. No, let me be very clear. Only one judge justice cheated. We used to have a game in the Supreme Court Friday afternoon. I didn't play all that often because Friday was just before Shabbos and I had to go home. Um, but I did on a couple of occasions, and the only justice that ever played with the law clerks was Justice Wizard White, that one American football player, Pittsburgh Steelers, um, and college, etc. A great guy, I really liked him. He used to come to work very early in the Supreme Court, and so did I. So he would be sitting alone uh, at a table having his uh, coffee and oatmeal or whatever, and I would be sitting alone because I was the only law clerk that was there. And on occasion, he would walk over and I didn't ever walk over to him, but he would walk over and say, can I join you? And we would sit and schmooze about Yale Law School and about people we knew in common. I liked him very much. On the basketball court, he was he was a horror. Uh, he wasn't a basketball player. He was a football player wearing a basketball jersey. When he went up for a rebound, you know, it was like a linesman tackling you. And he gave me one, he gave me a Zets right in the mouth over here. And, and my first, you know, I didn't control myself. I just yelled, son of a bitch, Mr. Justice, I'm sorry. And he laughed and said, on this court, I'm not Mr. Justice. I'm just Byron. And you got a right to complain about me. So, so I did, I did complain about him. Um, one more basketball uh, story. Uh, somebody writes that Chuck Hearn was also the one who used the phrase, no harm, no foul. Don't know whether that's true. If Elon uh, can confirm that, I'm happy to do it. But it's extremely relevant to our case because this case, there's no harm. And if there's no harm, no foul in basketball, you would assume no harm, no foul in law as well, at least when it comes to protecting large, enormous, wealthy, well-suited banks that can certainly protect themselves. To me, that's the worst part of this case. The worst part of this case is the abuse of prosecutorial discretion 
going after somebody when there's no victim, there's no complainant, uh, there's no plaintiff other than the attorney general who she protecting, and the only uh, alleged victims were the banks who made money. They didn't complain. They got all their loans paid back with full interest, and Trump said some were paid back even early. So you don't bring a case like that, except if the person's name is Donald Trump. Okay, what exactly is this 65 project, and why can't lawyers go after them? I've gone over it a few times, but I'll go over it very quickly. 65 Project is a group of radical left-wing anti-Trump haters who have expressed their own view that if anybody has been associated with Trump, defended Trump, did things that they disagree with, they're going to bring charges against the lawyers and particularly weak lawyers and poor lawyers in small communities who will have their practices hurt. They're a bunch of bullies, a bunch of McCarthyite bullies. And when they said that, I offered to represent pro bono uh, any lawyer who they went after improperly. And what do you think they did? They went after me. They filed a bar charge against me designed to prevent me from representing lawyers who they were going after. And um, so um, I'm defending myself, but it's obviously expensive. I've had to hire lawyers in a number of places to defend me against these uh, these charges. And I will do so and I will fight back. I'm not a small town poor lawyer who is uh, going to hide uh, as the result of this. I talk about it all the time and I point the finger of accusation at the at the 65 project. If you end up with a judge like this at a trial, what should your strategy be? Well, we've t- been talking about that. Seems we see more and more of these openly partisan judges nowadays doesn't bode well for faith in the justice system. Well, I grew up with that. Uh, I grew up with that, obviously, when when the civil rights movement, which I was part of, uh, we knew that the judges in the South wouldn't give justice to uh, uh, black uh, civil rights workers or white civil rights workers, and we had to fight the system. And we developed tactics for fighting the system. And I was involved in the Chicago 7 case where you had a judge who was obviously biased, and the the defendants in that case provoked the judge, and um, I helped win the uh, 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 contempt proceedings that were held against uh, Bill Kunstler and and maybe some of the other lawyers. Okay. Professor, in February of this year, Judge Engeron made the following statement about Donald Trump and admonishing Trump's lawyers. Um, I guess it was in February. I thought it was early, or, or I thought it was later. If Miss James has a thing against him, okay, that's not in my understanding of unlawful discrimination. He's just a bad guy. She should go after him as the chief law enforcement officer of the state. Okay, that seems to be the direct uh, quote. Um, And if that's the quote, that surely is enough to disqualify him. I don't know why his lawyers have not moved, if they haven't, for disqualification. This one wants trying to educate me. Of course, judges can impose gag orders. Do you need to go back to law school? No, I used to teach this stuff. I don't need to go back to law school. Judges can impose limited gag orders that are designed to protect the process, but they can't impose gag orders saying to a litigant, no, you can't attack me or, or you can't condemn me or you, condemn, you can't uh, um, uh, even defame me. You can bring a lawsuit if you defame somebody. But uh, no, the First Amendment right of defendants uh, is paramount. 
And so judges can impose limited gag orders, but not broad ones that prevent uh, a defendant from exercising his First Amendment rights. You know, that those issues are being litigated now. They're litigated in the case beginning today with the uh, Freed Bankman Freed guy, and it's being litigated in other cases. So it, it's, it's a work in progress, but uh, I think the First Amendment prevails and uh, a defendant has the right to uh, engage in the marketplace of ideas as long as it doesn't adversely influence the objectivity of the jury. But, you know, for this judge to talk about the objectivity of the fact finder, I'm not so sure he has real standing to do that. Would love to hear a debate on the so-called Israel. <clears throat> the name itself is misleading. It's a desire, not a place. I've been there. I'm going there again. Um, it's a place. It's a beautiful place. Zionism is secular, political, not even close to Torah Jews. That's that's true. It's a secular. I mean, I own an original copy of Theodor Herzl's The Jewish State, in which he said the rabbis have to be kept in their synagogues. Um, we want a secular state, the nation state of the Jewish people. Israel is as authentic uh, as France, the nation state of the French people, or uh, Italy, the nation state of the Italian people. Judaism is not just a, a religion. It's a culture. It's a civilization, a civilization that was almost destroyed in the 1940s in, in Nazi Germany. And Israel um, is the nation state of the Jewish people now. It has the majority of, it has more Jews than any other country in the world, and it's a secular country with a lot of religious people in it. And the balance between religion and secular is not so different from it is in the United States. The United States is not a religious country, yet we have in God we trust on the coins. There is prayer in the schools, uh, even though they're not supposed to be, and a range of other aspects of religion that play into public life in the United States. France is taking the opposite view, uh, no religion in public life. You can't wear a, a kippah, you can't wear a uh, garb that other religions require you to wear. They've gone too far in the other direction. In any event, <clears throat> these are very, very important issues. And these are issues that we'll continue to talk about. My last question, tell us about the picture of Kafka over your shoulder. Um, and uh, Kafka is one of my heroes. Um, uh, this is a Warhol uh, picture of, of Kafka from the 10 prominent Jews of the 20th century. And and Kafka was one of the great prescient writers of the 20th century, died much too young, but his work, his work uh, continues to influence people all over the world. See you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.